You're listening to The Soju Sessions, episode 57 on the Soju Talk Nation podcast feed. I'm your host, Crispy, also known as Crispy Wonton, or simply just Anton. And on today's episode, Genki Boy joins the show to discuss his K-pop origin story, um, how he found the Soju Talk podcast. Um, spoiler, he found it on TikTok. So shout out to Therese and TikTok fan. Um, turns out Genki Boy has a bit of a following himself, so please check out his TikTok account. It will be linked in the description below. It's just his name, so search Genki Boy on TikTok, um, and you'll see all his content. I was going through it earlier. Um, you know, we talk about this later in the show, but you see his collection. That's all I'll say. Um, really cool guy, super chill. And then we get into some music discussion from some popular releases this week, specifically Icon, But You. I don't know who I am anymore. Apparently, I just like boy groups because I adore this song. And um, yes, of course, I had to talk about Psy, Celeb. We talk about Suzy. We talk about Suzy. I talk about Suzy. Um, I talk about Suzy. I talk about Suzy. Yeah. Um, great music video, fun times, um, and really cool just getting to know Genki Boy. So yeah, I hope you guys all enjoy. Coming up, my chat with Genki Boy on the Soju Sessions. Joining Soju Sessions today, um, a member of the Gochu Gang, a patron of the Soju Talk K-pop podcast, the one and only Genki Boy. Welcome to the show, sir. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Uh, I've been looking forward to this and just Soju Nation and the Gochu Gang is something I really take seriously. Nice, man. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's one of those where you... I don't recall exactly when you showed up on the server, but um you are part of the ten dollar patrons so if you do make it to the very end of the episode warren shouts out all the uh top tier i forget what the, what category are you guys in i think you guys are in like um, fiesta i believe fiesta patrons okay yeah like so you guys have your own special tier of support for for the show and i think your name is like one of the first three and it always stands out every time warren says it because he has the um the voice modulator and it's just this big booming genki boy and i'm just like yeah i need to get this guy on the show one of these days um so here we are and um yeah just super happy to have you um with all that being said you're a bit of a mystery on the server to be honest um you know, i see you pop in here and there and you definitely contribute with your votes every week you know to uh, voice your opinion of which songs you believe should reach uh the top of the mountain with uh the soju chart spice king but let's get your k-pop origin story um when did you first start listening to k-pop and what were your first memories of the genre so i got into k-pop like pretty spontaneously um i i had a fascination with music and i think one day i was like oh what are the koreans listening to what what's on their charts and this was 2016, 2017. So, um, like, Red Velvet was one of the first things I ever heard. And I, I just, I love it. I fell in love with it. And, you know, it's so interactive. There's so much content 
that you can just research and watch and absorb. And it's not, it's not like Western music, you know, where it's just a, a, a song, you know. And I just, ever since then, I found more groups and took it more seriously. Started buying albums, lots of albums. You've gone down the rabbit hole. I see, I see. Yeah, I'm well over 100 albums in. And when my favorites have a comeback, you know, I buy all the copies. I have the photo cards and just involved. I go to concerts. I am shook. Man, you are a true fan. This is incredible. Um, let's let's pull back a little bit into Red Velvet. What were some of the elements from those first Red Velvet days um, that drew you into K-pop that you can distinctly tell was very different from anything um, in Western music and Western entertainment? Um, I know there's a lot of theories and delineations of why K-pop exists the way it does. It's a very visual medium. But what stood out to you in those first days of exploring K-pop? Um, early Red Velvet was, um, it's not like it is now. It was more high energy and that wasn't what initially brought me in. But when I first saw Bad Boy by Red Velvet, I saw that video and I'm like, this is a, this is a work of art. And uh, man, it's, you start looking up the members and who they are and, you know, my, my first my first person I noticed was Wendy and I'm like, Wendy, has got that amazing singing voice and I, I just, I, something about it, you know, you, you just want to come back for more. And then you start discovering other groups and like twice and Mamamoo, Mamamoo was a really big one for me. And, uh, I'm still with Mamamoo. Um, Wendy is Canadian, Korean. Um, she is fluent in English. And to me, I've always seen her as a, a, a bridge to between cultures, right? Um, kind of a cultural exchange in the fact that she can communicate uh, fluently with Westerners. She is kind of that uh, Western standpoint where we can kind of say like, hey, like she can talk to us. Uh, but at the same time, she is so wildly popular in Korea on the radio every week. Um, what is it specific about Wendy that stood out to you? And do you feel like you can connect with the genre further because you have that language bridge between yourself and um, K-pop? Initially, uh, it was the English speaking, you know, oh, I can understand her, you know? <laughs> and um, once, once I found other members that also spoke English, I don't know why, but like, they're the first ones that I learn about and um like um with itsy uh leah speaks english leah is i think she lived in canada yes yeah her and and wendy have talked about uh being canadian and i was like man you you don't have to read the subtitles i guess that you know they can talk as themselves and you get to know more about them but as as Red Velvet kind of grew on me, I, I moved on to uh, um, Sulgi more. Sulgi has that mysterious vibe, you know, and she's such a professional. She's like a consummate professional in everything she does. And I, I feel like when I describe Sulgi from Red Velvet, it's like she's the master at Red Velvet. She's the vocal. She dances. And, you know, she just she looks in that camera and she knows what she's doing. 
Amazing. Um, you said you have over a hundred albums. Um, take me through the um, the growth of this collection. What was your first album, and how was it that you were able to kind of accumulate all of this amazing merch, pieces of uh, history, memories from all these groups over time? So my first album was a Mamamoo album. I think I think it was it's the pink one. Uh, it's got a piano on it, I believe. Is it Piano Man? It might be. Yeah, it might be Piano Man. Okay. It's it's pink and glittery. And uh, yeah, that was my first one. And I open it up. You see all the pictures, the photo cards. And, you know, I want more. I want another one. I want to put it on the shelf next to the, the collection. So since then, I have, I have every Mamamoo release. All the solos, all the albums. Um, I have all of Itzy, all of Red Velvet, uh, most of Dreamcatcher. Just, you know, if I like a song, I'll buy the album. And that's kind of hard to explain to maybe a Western audience. You know, why would you buy the music when you can just listen to it? You know, I don't even listen to the CD, but I still buy it. We'll describe that. Say, so what, what is it that you emotionally connect with when you buy a physical piece of media and then you get inundated with all of the um, additional pieces? So the photo cards, photo books, um, stickers, um, specific like trinkets that come with each unique album. Um, what are the kind of the emotional um, checkpoints for you that make this a very fulfilling endeavor? Uh, it starts from the very beginning, you know, when you first buy it and you know that it's on the way. And then it comes in the mail, you unbox it, and it, it's a mystery. I never do the, uh, the unboxing videos. It's always a surprise to me. So when you, know, you peel off that plastic and you see what photo cards there are, and you, maybe you get your favorite member if you're lucky, and then go through the book and see all the inclusions. And you, know, you can say that you have it. It's something you can hold. And you can display it and tell other people about it. And when I see other K-pop collections, I'm always amazed because I feel like mine is small, especially within my community. I think you're doing just fine. I think over 100 albums is uh, spectacular. Um, I would one day like to see some kind of display of, of all this. Um, if you would be so kind to share, I'm sure everyone would love to see it in uh, the merch channel. Um, but yeah, I know there, there's something... Um, you know, deeply rooted with the with collectibles, right? Um, and this idea of collecting albums, but then you know, connecting with your artist in the sense that you are supporting them in a lot of ways. Um, and yes. albums themselves are works of art, right? There's just so much that goes yeah. into it. Um, even though for me personally, I only have a handful, I don't really go back into them. It's that initial rush that's just it's it's incredible, right? You open it yeah. and you just kind of go through all the motions, and yeah, man, no, that's. Sure. But yeah, there, there is that emotional rush. And then, um, you know, most of the time you buy the album just to say you, you, you have it or whatever. But with some of my ultimate groups, it's got no point where it's like, I want to actually financially support you. I want you to have my money. Yeah. And right. it's, it's that connection that we make with, with K-pop, right? Um, you know, as K-pop kind of opens up into the real world again, you know, tours are starting up. Um, 
you know, Twice and BTS have made their imprint over the past several months with live shows, you know, selling out stadiums. Um, but what is it about your experiences um, that has been most memorable for you going to concerts? And have you connected with um, your friends or new friends over that time? So most of my interactions within K-pop have been very recent. I've I've just now recently found like K-pop communities in real life, face to face. For the most time, or for the most part, it was kind of behind the screen or you know just just listening. It was a personal hobby. But now, ever since I've reached out on my my social medias more and I, I even have a little bit of a following on my social media but i i've met fellow fans and we just talk about it and it's a it's a shared knowledge that you can talk to someone about and uh, you go out to concerts and there's a thousand people that are just so happy to be there for the same reason yeah, it, it it's it's an incredible shed experience, right? Because um, you know everyone comes into it with their own personal histories, but they also, in a lot of ways, take on the history of the group that they follow, that they love, that they're there for, and they bring all of that together at the same time in one location, in a stadium, in a concert hall, and it's it's kind of a magical moment in a lot of ways to get a little cheesy with it um you said you met some people recently um through the internet and kind of seeing them in real life how has that experience been for you um kind of taking it off the screen and into um you know irl space um, where, um go ahead for me it's it's honestly pretty seamless um the way i present myself and the way my community also presents themselves it's like i already know them you know, it's like, hey, I know what you look like. I know what you sound like. We've talked before. You, you know, we're already friends. It's just you're, you're actually here now. And, you know, maybe maybe you have that that shy attitude at first, but it's it's nothing too difficult for me. Do you see a difference in the way people communicate online versus in real life? Um, because I know, um, you know, the pandemic's been a challenge for everyone. You know, I think people in a lot of ways have been longing to connect with people either a real voice or a real you know physical person um and communication has changed over the past two years in the sense of you're essentially just typing something on screen and then reacting to someone else's typing um what are the differences you see now that you're kind of re-entering real world space it's um it's more natural for me now and my my community that i hang out with most you know we're not we're not that typical like k-pop worship audience and you know we listen to everything and so we just we discuss music but ever since ever since pandemic you know it, it, it slowed down for a bit but people are getting back out and we're getting face to face and i'm, I'm glad to be back nice. in the the physical k-pop sphere yeah um in both spaces for me too um i started going back to the office and i kind of love it um i'm more productive in so many ways and um my my office is flexible they basically said come in and out as often as you'd like so i'm coming in as often as i'd like um 
you said you're you're part of a community. Tell me more about the community, um, how you formed it, and this just the general vibe of the folks that you generally interact with. So I'd say my chief community is is TikTok, and it all started very spontaneously. I you know I downloaded the app because I was bored, and I didn't even have a content in mind. I just just swiping through videos and i saw this this uh other creator talking about albums and i'm like you know i have those too these are my people and i started using the k-pop hashtags and um my favorite group hashtags and then with tiktok you know that algorithm gives you what you want so now i'm just in my own echo chamber of tiktok k-pop do you have a central hub outside of TikTok or do you primarily communicate through TikTok? Um, TikTok is my content uh, spot, but other than that, I'm on Reddit, but that's more of an information center. And then um, in person, I have uh, meetups and like what, like the cup sleeve events, I guess. Nice, nice. Um, do you create content on TikTok? I do. I have... Uh, I'm not I'm not huge. I'm still under like 2000 followers, but I have people that know me and people that enjoy my content. <laughs> so, that, you know, that's that's all I need. You know, we have a community content channel that you are more than welcome to add to. Um yeah, no, it's, it's so you maybe you may not know, but um essentially Doug Warren and Anita decided to have a central hub for community content, whether that's Soju Talk related, K-pop related, or just things that people do here on the server that's creative based. Um, uh, I, I use it just to post uh, the Soju Talk Nation videos. Therese uses it for TikTok. Um, and then the Dumpster Cast, who are very on and off with their episodes, coming in and out. But they also post stuff there. Um, it's been encouraged that other content creators do put videos or things that they work on in that channel. So feel free. Um, yeah. we, we'd love to see it. Um, and then uh, I know I, I would say the majority, if not like 90, 95% of the servers on TikTok. So uh, I think you can definitely uh, increase the volume of traffic just by simply uh, letting people know uh, where to find you. Um, well, I'll, I'll link it here in, in the channel, um, in the description at the end here. But no, that's incredible. I would love to scroll through your TikTok for a few hours and see what it's like to see the world through your eyes. I think that'd be uh, kind of amazing. Yeah, you you might be pleasantly surprised or you might just be like, what is this? You know, you you never, you never know. But that's actually, yeah. yeah. That's actually why I'm here. I found you guys on TikTok. Hey, nice. Um, well go into it. So what is your Soju talk origin story? So you found this, you found the main show on TikTok. Um, what was that like kind of seeing the content cut that way? And then how did you continue on to connect with it? So, I was scrolling through TikTok and I found the Soju Talk Reacts channel um, with Therese. And I'm like, the, the way she edited it was that it had Doug and Warren talking. And I'm like, man, these people are talking about K-pop. They have an actual show. You know, I click the follow button. Uh, I listen to one or two shows. And I'm like, you know what? They deserve my support. Highest level contribution, Gochu Gang, Fiesta. I want my name to be shouted out. And here we are now. 
Amazing. Um, what's it been like transitioning from TikTok into the Discord space to talk about K-pop and the different personalities, the different channels, the different spaces, specifically here at Soju Talk? Uh, the, the people in this server are so diverse. And, you know, I, I can either talk about my favorite groups with like-minded people or I can talk about, like, sports. You know, for a while, I was logging on to the discord every time there was a, a formula one race and we were like live chatting the race and it's like when when tickets get announced for a concert everyone's like announcing their results or forming strategies and it's a very positive community but i feel like this is kind of weird but i feel like every time i comment on a thread it kind of just like shuts down and people kind of just like I don't know. Maybe I'm just here at the wrong time all the time, but it's just something I've noticed. I would say it's more coincidence than anything, to be honest. If it was me, because... Um, Crickets. Well, <laughs> it, it, well, from my perspective, I don't see as many conversations as maybe I should. Um, I, I'm, I'm in very few channels, only because I have very specific interests. Um, for those that know, uh, yes, I am a simp. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I, I don't see all of the uh, the uh, top conversation points, but I'm sure it's just a coincidence that, you know, that it is just happens. a coincidence. I will. I will just chalk it up to that. And if it's not, I hope everyone hears you and decides that you are an awesome person and wants to continue talking to you throughout the server. So I will just put that out <laughs> there as well. Um, with Doug Warren and Anita and their dynamic as friends, how did that interplay uh, work for you? as far as being a consumer of K-pop and then hearing commentary and analysis from their points of view? Um, it, was, it was very natural for me to you know, understand what they were talking about and what they were saying. So once I learned the, uh, the quirks and the personalities a little bit more, I, just, I, I got absorbed into it. And I learned about their preference within K-pop and what they like, what they don't like and just their mannerisms. And I come back every week, you know, every Tuesday afternoon when I'm driving to work, put on that podcast, listen to Soju Talk, listen to what the the gang had to vote on. Is there any artist that you found through the show that you wouldn't have found otherwise? Through the show, I wouldn't say. Um, I absorb a lot of K-pop. Uh, as a you know, frontline consumer, I guess. But so maybe maybe something I've been introduced to through the show was um, some of the competition shows that they like to watch. Um, you know, like Girls Planet and uh, you know Street Woman Fighter. I wouldn't watch that if it wasn't for them. Hey, shout out to the, the crew for exposing more people to amazing uh, Korean entertainment and uh, those shows because uh, I'm addicted. Um, I'm having the time of my life with Queendom too. So um, yeah, that, that all goes to the community and the crew for kind of making that space available for us um, and you know, giving us moments and bits of uh, exposure to different shows and different things like that. Um, for me, as far as the server goes and the main show, um, if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't be listening to boy groups, <laughs> to be honest. Um, one, they, they cover uh, boy groups all the time, right? 
So for me, I, I'd like to at least listen or watch the music video prior to the main show. Um, and then also because of the, the after show and just the other um, pieces of content that I have to put out, um, I do want to at least be a little bit informed. But it's come to a point now where I am genuinely enjoying a lot of boy groups. Um, one of which came back this past week, Icon with But You, um, Kinky Boy. What did you think? How did the song hit you? And what are your initial feelings of uh, Icon coming back with But You? I had immediate feelings about Icon. I absolutely love the song. It's groovy. And it's a very easy listen. It's not a song that you have to think about or analyze. It just, it, 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 you know, it comes to you. And watching the video kind of reminded me of uh, like a retro vibe. I don't want to say Mago by G-Friend vibe because that's not right. But kind of that old school aesthetic. Yeah, they definitely play into the synth pop. Um, very 80s, very dance 80s. Um, I think, well, let's go with the song first. So the song itself is a very um, synth heavy, pop friendly beat. But I think the thing that's the strongest for me is the fact that the vocals play very airy and pair really well with um, the different um, ups and downs, ebbs and flows, highs and lows of the song. Um, and it goes in and out really well. I think Bobby's rap is done really cool in a lot of ways i think it's the best way i can put it um because it's just enough and it doesn't go over the top but it fits perfectly kind of with this genre right um the uh, kind of standout for me in the song is the third uh, the last third of the song where the tempo changes it's a bit slower it's a bit of a switch up to um so there's some electric guitar in there initially i didn't notice that um it was very seamless and smooth um, and it plays really well into um, the vocalist at that point. I believe it's uh, Bobby, Jay, and Song. Um, it's very subtle, um, but I love the shift there. Um, let's talk about the music video. So the the visual story is that it's you know at night. It's at a club. It opens with uh, some glitter, some space travel um, in into the void. But overall, the theme is about love or um, trying to reclaim, trying to find love, right? Finding love in a hopeless place, as Rihanna would put it. But hanging on to something that once was, and trying to replace that love. Um, what did you think about the music video? And kind of the visuals, the lighting, the very retro lights that they use with the strobes. Um, and, you know, how did that make you feel? Uh, I, it matched the song very well, and I enjoyed the video. Um, it's, it's a very shiny you know, lots of bright colors and neon and the even the choreography. The choreography was pretty straightforward, but I, I, I like that a lot. The the arm waving and the just the it, it looked like a very fun video, even for the background dancers. They're just having a great time. Wow, you hit on two really amazing things. One, the choreo, um, very icon choreo. So this is not a, a dig on icon or anything, but um the the way that they structure their movements to the song it's very flowy right um you wouldn't think of them as just a performance group um or as strong as a performance group i mean we saw on kingdom um they tried their hearts out but in relative to stray kids and um the other groups that were there not the same but with a choreo like this it works because it's a fun light bright song um and it's very flowy 
Um, and the and the dancers you mentioned, um, that is YGX. Uh, shout out to the YGX dancers. Um, I, I I have an irrational like love affair with them. Um, one because they're incredible dancers, and two, um, I, I feel like I just need to to be the flag bearer and to let people know that to check them out. They're not just YG dancers; they are actually choreographers throughout all of K-pop. So um, other companies hire them to produce choreography and then they in those performances a lot of the times, um, male and female dancers. It's just, yeah, man, like those dancers are, are great. I just, yeah. Um, what, what were your favorite? <laughs> that was hard. What were your favorite visual moments of the music video? Um, I guess mine is um, hair. <laughs> Blonde hair, DK, that's it. DK's blonde, messy hair. It's just like when you first see that in the opening shot and um, he comes in with those vocals, I'm just like, wow, that's a memory. I got, uh, it's a memory and it sets the tone. Um, were there any standout moments for you visually with the music video? So I, f- I, I feel like uh, at one point in the video, there was a, uh, one of the members was in the back of like a vehicle. Am I mistaken? That's Bobby. So he's in the CGI Bobby. truck. He's in the truck, and um, that stood out to me, and it, it matched up well with the what was going on with the sound at that time. But it reminded me of the the K-pop trope that's currently going on with members being in the back of vehicles or like ambulances, and I've noticed that quite a bit. So mm-hmm. it, maybe it struck a you know it it kind of struck with me like oh th- there's the vehicle trope again. Yeah, like drawing threads and similarities to um, other things that have been used in the past, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, the other two members that really stood out were June and Jay. Um, so there is a moment um, about halfway through the song where it becomes like this very shadowy, central, um, uh, central member focus. Um, I think it does start with Jay. And you have the strobes coming in and out, different colors. And it's like this yellow and orange, and it just evoked all these memories of 2010, 2011 of like these types of clubs. So um, the way that the set looks, it's you know very clearly a set um, created to emulate like the outside, like the streets, right? The streets at night. But then the clubs, these are like the OG basement clubs um, from like the 2000s, the 2010s. And then, like, you have, like, the, the scaffolding, and then you have the lights. It's, like, the OG strobe lights. It's not, like, the super high-tech rave ones anymore. It's just, like, it's like all these things. The fog machine's going. Mm-hmm. If, if the aesthetic was to capture, like, 2010 um, basement club, they absolutely nailed it. And yeah, I'm and a big fan. It, uh, it reminded me very strongly of a Mamamoo video. I think it's... Um, Windflower, either Windflower or Starry Night. Um, the four members of Mamamoo go to the club, and it's very uh, 2010s. Uh, you know, um, back alleys and streets and neon. And then I think they go to McDonald's, and they buy ice cream. It's very <laughs> Mamamoo cheese right there. Um, definitely feel that. Um, the last element of the song, the release that I'd like to touch on, are the lyrics. So it's a very love-focused 
song as far as being in love with someone but no longer being in that relationship so you try to live your life using the liveness of the night dancing partying falling into the arms of someone else to kind of fill that void to find new love but throughout the story they are continually continuously searching only to return to the person that they once loved um two questions um how do you feel about the lyrics kind of matching a lot of the the playfulness of of the song the, the music video and um have you had any experiences in your life similar to this um th- i think the lyrics they I'm, I'm still trying to break that down you know as i as you read the song more instead of like listen to it but i think it matched uh the sound very well it's very smooth and um but experience wise i can't say that i've had an experience quite like that in that sense but it's it, it's a song i'll keep listening to for sure and I'll, I'll break it down more and more and more over the next week or so as i listen to it in the car and maybe read the lyrics i'll, I'll sit down and just read the lyrics without listening to the song yeah, maybe man. understand it in that way yeah no it's it's one of those where the lyrics play very universally to a lot of experiences whether that's um kind of that mid-20s period in people's lives when they're searching for love um or when you're coming to the end of your party phase and you're looking for you're looking around and people are leaving the party i feel like those two things are very evoked um not just uh, lyrically but also visually um i think it's just a really well packaged release um with, with all that being said, my final question for you is, did Icon low-key just start summer releases? Because I feel like we've been in a five-year cycle of retro, synthwave, every decade from the 70s on, and I'm here for it. I want all of it. But usually that's the indicator that it's summertime. It's currently May 6th. Are we there, Genki Boy? Is it summertime? Are we going to get now a cycle of all of these retro songs that are going to be popping off with high energy? Uh, I hope so. I want I want music to continue back into this this theme, and uh, just retro K-pop is something I really enjoy. And I feel like recently the way things have been going, um, K-pop has become more noisy. Um, maybe like ESPA, NCT types. And I'm not the biggest proponent of noise music, unless it's really well done. And uh, I like synth stuff more. Um, just reminds me of something. Even though I never experienced, you know, the the 80s and the 90s, I feel like I was there. Right. There's a nostalgia that is uh, simulated in a lot of ways. Um and I hope simulated isn't taken in a poor way. I think it's, I mean, something can be simulated um, and still evoke the same kinds of emotions, right? Emotional attachment. Because again, it's how you tell the story. It's how you progress the story to connect with people. And to me, I freaking love this. I feel like I can place myself in a lot of these moments, even though I am clearly not a, not a member of Icon and did not have uh, their shared experiences of love. Um, although Bobby is uh, uh, a father. So I think his days are over um but um i think they do a nice job of pulling a lot of emotions um whether you're really happy um and really celebratory or you get the introspection of what love used to be with the lyrics so incredible incredible release 
All right, uh, we got a bonus track to talk about this week because I, uh, you know, I unapologetically like what Psy does in the sense that it's so absurd, it's so ridiculous, but the music comes that comes along with it works really well. So Psy had a song come out last week with That That featuring Sugar, uh, produced by Sugar. He also had another song come out this week um, called Celeb. And it's just him. It's just him being goofy and cheesy. But in the music video, there is a wonderful human being. Susie Bay is in the music video. And I'm just taking this opportunity to talk about her for five minutes. Um, Susie Bay, if you didn't know, is an actress in South Korea. She's a former member of Miss A, so she's got some K-pop training. She has all the cheese, all the dancing, and she just really lives in the moment with Psy. My question for you, Genki Boy, is how did Susie Bay make you feel? Happy. <laughs> I really enjoyed this release. And, uh, you know, I, I, I came into this release knowing what it was going to be like. Uh, Psy, you know, he, he always knocks it out of the park. He gets hundreds of millions and billions of views. And his songs might be ridiculous and, you know, not musically the best, but, you know, it's a fun time. And, you know, I'll, I'll let you talk about this one a little bit more. I didn't break down Celeb as much, but I know that you're looking forward to uh, Susie. Well, the thing is, like, so Psy has had a tradition of a different Psy girl for every release, right? And I think in this case, this is probably, I don't, I don't want to say, like, the best version, but I think the most recent version of one that the Psy girl isn't just um, an addition to the song and music video. To me, if I'm watching this, Susie is central. She is front and center of what is happening with everything, even though she has no singing parts. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with her um, charisma and ability to just capture the camera in a lot of ways, because she's an actress, because she's gorgeous. Um, mm -hmm. And then she plays a lot of the different roles. Um, the song itself, um, lyrically, is kind of this modern meme of what it means to be a celebrity today, right? With the internet space. Um, how do you, I don't know, what did you think about how the song plays into that um, with the like button and following and Susie kind of being in the frame of a YouTube video? Um, I think several social, I don't remember exactly which social media platforms were present, but I know she was definitely there and then also receiving awards as if she was a award-winning actress in the music video, at least. Um, I don't know. What did you What did you think about that being the the joke of this song? I think um, Psy has been he he's been in the scene for so long that he's kind of evolved through the social media. You know his his initial um, breakout fame was on YouTube, and then since then we've moved on to other channels, or you know maybe TikTok um, and like. Uh, what am I thinking of Twitter? So he, he he's had this ability to analyze how social media has evolved and, you know, maybe give his commentary on it. Yeah, and he does it in a really fun way. Uh, the main show mentioned something this week that really captured my attention. Um, I think it was, I don't remember which two songs it was, but 
Warren said something to the effect of Psy has done one for the West, one for the East. Um, I think it was I Love It and New Face um, were, were the two songs he was talking about. Um, they, they were off the same album, but it felt like New Face was like the K-pop Korean friendly, like, oh, this is like the cheese, right? And then I Love It was the Western accessible EDM. Uh, my question for you, do you feel like That That and Celeb are the West and East versions of what Warren was talking about in the sense of that that is now the Western friendly accessible. Everyone knows BTS. Everyone knows Sugar. So this is going to be super successful. But if you're a fan of K-pop or at least more leaning towards um, Eastern Asian sound of cheese, Celeb is for you. Do you feel like that is the case here with these two songs? Um, I believe so. And also an extension, the other songs... Um, another side girl, I guess, with uh, with Wasa is, I think, Mamamoo's fame and Wasa's fame is very within Korea, and so I feel like that's more of a Korean release too as well. And then the BTS one is Western. Let's talk about that Wasa song for a second. Um, if you have the title, please say it right now while I look it up. It is now. The song is called Now. Featuring Hwasa. Perfect. It's uh, now featuring Hwasa. Um, you said something really interesting that that song is a, you know, appeals more to the Korean public. Do you hear Trot in that song? Yeah. Yes, I do. It's it's very eighties esque, and it might draw on those traditional Korean sounds, folk sounds as as well. Okay, so the, the one that's it, just an incredible feat that Sai was able to take some of the trot sounds that I have heard just in random pieces of Korean entertainment over the past few years. I don't listen to trot, but you know, I watch um, variety shows and they will play trot sometimes. So I recognize it. Right. But then, like you said, they, he also blends a lot of eighties, like synth wave music and disco. In addition to Hwasa, like in her amazing uh, Husky voice, um, Gosh, I I love this song. Why do you love this song? Being a big Mamamoo fan, because it sounds like you do. What about this song stands out to you the most? Um, it was seeing Wasa in her element. That is what she does. Her her, her outfit was great. Her choreo matched her 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 vibe. And being a longtime Mamamoo fan, I feel like it's kind of a reward. I don't know, <laughs> but. Um, you know, Wasa is arguably the 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 most popular member. Her releases have been the most popular. Her solos have been the top sellers. But seeing her in a video, especially in this time of Mamamoo, is something I can really enjoy. You know, I don't I don't think I'll be able to see a whole lot of Mamamoo in the future. Speaking to her outfit, um. I had to pause it and just sit in the glory of what it is. So it's this blue, like dark blue, not dark blue, like a royal blue patterned outfit, right? And it kind of looks like a like a romper, like a one suit romper jumper. But if you look carefully, it's two separate things. It's pants and it's a turtleneck. And she looks yeah. gorgeous. Oh my yes. god. Yes, uh, she looks great in uh, whatever 
uh, wacky costume she's presented with. You know, you know, she's she's been on the stage wearing a plastic bag before, actually. And I thought she looked nice back then. Well, tell me and about then, the cheese factor of this song because you have size cheese and you have the Mamamoo Hwasa cheese. Uh, how did that blend for you? It, it was just. I can't really explain it. You know, there's not really an official video for it, but seeing the two interact, it, it's there's a lot of cheese there, and uh, it's just a, it's a fun listen. Yeah, it's not an official release, but it's this uh, vertical camera shot, uh, phone camera shot like video, even though I think it was actually shot on a real camera. Um, and it's them kind of in, on a soundstage, but the soundstage is set up as if it's used for something, right? Uh, whether it was a photo shoot or whether it was uh, set up for another music video, um, it's very clearly used for something else but then also specifically used for this music video so it's just man i kind of wish it was a music video kind of wish he just like went all out but you know we got what we got and i will say that song is one of the more surprisingly amazing songs on the album um in the sense that uh, i it's so far down in the album that you're like why wasn't this either higher or given its own music video or perhaps just the title track uh, but I understand why it had to be sugar. So, you know, good job, Sai. You're doing, you're doing good things. Everyone, give the album a listen because it, it, the album does a lot of different things. Um, it's not just this Western accessible friendly sound. It's not just this hip hop sound because there is some rap in this. Um, it's not just cheese, Sai. But there's some mellow music. There's some introspection. Um, there's some vibey, sexy music. I mean, Crush is here with Happier. Um, and then Tableau near the end um, with Forever is... It, it's a very cool Tableau song that Sai is on. Sai, best, best put that. Um, let's move into some closing thoughts. Yankee Boy. Um, you know, the, the past couple of years have been very interesting and challenging for a number of reasons, right? Um, but, you know, with K-pop being so present in your life, one, what has been kind of the positive outcome of having K-pop, having a K-pop community help you through um, whatever it is that you went through over the past two years? Um, and then I'll follow up with, with my second question afterwards. So uh, going through the pandemic, K-pop never really stopped for me you know there wasn't a shutdown i didn't have to distance from it you know i was still able to get albums in the mail and talk with my friends about it so you know maybe the music kind of slowed down uh, concerts couldn't happen you know in-person events couldn't happen but i was still able to enjoy it and just it, it got me through a lot too um my uh, my love for Dreamcatcher really took off during the pandemic, and Dreamcatcher is, you know, something I live for absolutely now. So, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to find them again. Did that did that have any effect in your personal life, whether positive or negative, in the sense that you know we are so disconnected from you know reality, um, our friends, our family? Um, were you able to reconnect with? Um, your friends and family over K-pop or at least give you a vehicle to talk to them about K-pop? So I'd say during all of this, I became more involved in K-pop and 
I became more vocal about it. I started telling more people about it that they should try it and listen to it. And, you know, it, it, it's become something I talk, talk about every day with like my coworkers, even though they don't even listen to the music. They, <laughs> they listen to me about it. And, uh, I think my more involved coworkers are kind of on the, uh, very topical level of K-pop. They like BTS, maybe like Stray Kids. And then anything beneath that is kind of still a mystery for them that they have to find for themselves. Trying to formulate this question, but you know, growing up, um, did you have interests that kind of mirrored what K-pop is as being a niche interest, right? Um, For me, it's always been this parallel of growing up uh, an anime fan, a comic book yes. fan. Um, right. And then, you know, I'm old. I'm 90. So I grew up at a time when that stuff was very much not the norm, when um, in a lot of ways you were looked down on. I, I wasn't specifically bullied, but I do know instances of it being, um, of, of kids getting bullied, right? Um, do you feel like, you know, well, I guess, h- how do you feel like it's shifted since then? You know, growing up, you know, being interested in something very niche, um, you know, people perceiving it as weird and different, to now something that is niche in K-pop being wildly, wildly and widely accepted around the world and with people, with groups of people that, you know, historically just were not open to it in a lot of ways. So, you know, gr- growing up, my niche interest was along the same lines as yours, I was into the Japanese media and I spent a lot of time watching, um, uh, there was a show called MXC on Spike TV with a Japanese game show contestants hurting themselves. And I was fascinated with that. And then I know um, this show. Oh my God. The, my, my brain is like flashbacks. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And, uh, I wish I could watch MXC again, but, uh, I, I had friends that also watched that show, so I had my discussion outlet. But it was, you know, with K-pop being kind of a, it was underground, you know. You know, maybe 10 years ago, it was an underground thing. And it was kind of on the fringe. But now people are understanding why you you buy the music or you support your favorite artists. And... There, there's a lot of artists we can thank for that, but now it's I don't have to explain it to people as much. Uh, oh, you know, BTS and Blackpink have become so huge, and n- not quite household names, but if it's acceptable now to talk about K-pop more openly, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, very accessible in so many ways, right? I mean, BTS has um, just this long-standing relationship with late-night television in the United States, right? And I feel like the demographics still for late-night television are in the um, older range, um, definitely older than 35, I think like the 35 and 50. Uh, that's a broad demographic, I understand, but that is the the population of folks watching late-night television and, and seeing BTS, seeing Korean people on US television, which is amazing. Um, and then to flip it to Blackpink, they are on Netflix. Sometimes they are on uh, the the front page. If even if you don't consume Korean entertainment, they're just there because it's a documentary about music. So I think that's um, an amazing feat in and of itself as well. Uh, my last question for you, sir, is 
you know, the world is opening up. We're going back out there. Um, concerts are a thing. Um, you are going to add on to the list of all the amazing concerts and shows you're going to. I'm very jealous. Um, two part. So what are you hopeful for? And what concerts are you looking forward to in the latter half, in the latter half of 2022? I am hopeful for my favorite groups to um find more success in comebacks you know i want more i want more dreamcatcher um red velvet mamamoo it's always something i look forward to and i'm hopeful for and maybe uh more artists come to my city and uh that that kind of jumps into my second part um dreamcatcher and brave girls are both coming to denver and i won't be able to see brave girls because it's on a Tuesday, right after Dreamcatcher. But I think um, artists are recognizing my area as a a good investment to hold a concert. So, Yeah, no, it's amazing that Dreamcatcher and Brave Girls um, have expanded their, their touring uh, locations, right? I think the other one that surprised everyone for Dreamcatcher was Kentucky. Yes, Louisville, Kentucky. I thought they were going to the Kentucky Derby, but that's actually this weekend. So, would have been amazing timing. Would have been great. Um, although Louisville, in the United States at least, is a pretty well-known city location area, right? Like that. If you follow sports, if you understand like the significance of Louisville. Um, so maybe maybe they're playing into some of those um, pieces of demographic data research where it's like they found like oh yeah people connect with this type of music which is like a rock sounding anime sounding music in louisville kentucky which man, shout out to them for for getting that tour date spot because um never would have imagined yeah you know you know what i find fascinating is um the popularity of k-pop in south america yeah uh, um i think card announced a tour down there and but maybe it's just my community i have a lot of south american followers on tiktok but k-pop is a is a religion down there they love k-pop down in south america santiago chile and you know argentina are hot spots yeah shout out to um biff miller on the server he is uh from south america he is always um i don't want to say always on but always uh one of the more prominent voices as far as getting people the news and information they need um, between industry news and following um, our favorite groups, his favorite groups. So yeah, man, um, definitely can vouch for the popularity of South America there and card card historically has uh, towards South America. So it's really good to see them um, on tour again um, because for, for a minute there it was, it was kind of shaky with uh, the lack of resources, the lack of touring for a lot of these groups. So Hopefully the momentum picks up for for them, and you know we get we get a we we get a I don't know kind of a renaissance in K-pop as far as the smaller groups, the smaller companies, right? So yeah, man, it's all it's all it's all all a net positive. All right, sir. Um, amazing, amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining. I mean, any closing thoughts? Any words of wisdom you have uh, for the Soju Talk Nation? Uh, just just keep listening. You know, support what you like, and don't be afraid to talk about it that's all i can say and you know i i appreciate being here i was looking forward to it highlight of my my week so far man that means a lot yeah no um yeah full disclosure i 
was going through the Gochi Gang list, and it's like I really don't know anything about Genki Boy. I want to have him on. <laughs> so that was my thought process, and um, I am very gracious that you um, are here and you joined because you know I got to learn a lot about you, and you're a cool guy. And I hope other people give you a chance. And uh, when you say something in a chat, people will continue talking to you. That is the goal <laughs> for today. All right. Um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening to the Soju Sessions on the Soju Talk Nation podcast feed. Subscribe on YouTube, follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and continue the conversation on the Soju Talk K-Pop Podcast Discord. For Genki Boy, I'm Crispy, and this has been the Soju Sessions.